skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a letter from somebody who is wanting to correct their ex's version of them. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Right. We are not professionals. We are not trained in relationship advice whatsoever. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, everyone, we're going to get into our letter, which comes from Smoochy Kabusi, whose pronouns are they, them. We, we've laughed every <laughs> single time that we've said that out loud today. So thank you, Smoochy Kabusi, for bringing some sunshine into our life. Absolutely. Uh, and they are writing from Prague, Czech. Content warning, mentions of domestic violence. Dear Sam and Sierra, as always, thank you for holding the space that you do. Just Break Up has been a gentle but firm companion to my self-development. Here's what I got. Four years ago, when I was 22, I entered into a relationship with a 25-year-old AMAB that would end a year and a half later. 
I have since come out of the closet as trans non-binary, which has given me so much insight into my history of compulsive heteronormativity as an AFAB and the severe anxious attachment I experienced in those dynamics. Now, 26, I feel like a totally different person. Queerness in time has allowed me a liberation of self-understanding that has mostly stopped the perpetually traumatic romantic relationships that I was in. Within said relationship, my then partner, R, and I were very much in an anxious avoidant dynamic, the f- I the former and them the latter. At this time, neither of us were very resourced about how to communicate effectively or move through conflict. I found myself engaging in a lot of toxic behaviors that included journal snooping, hypervigilance, a general default of mistrust, and likely other behaviors that I am less aware of. I am certain that because of my behavior, my ex-partner experienced distress and demoralization. I want to take my impact seriously and feel eager to be accountable to these things. I hold compassion for my young self who lacked guidance or modeling of healthy Mm. relationships, was closeted, living with CPTSD, and was partnered to someone I didn't feel seen by our partnership ended in a painful separation that fundamentally changed the way I engaged with romantic connections for which I am grateful. Fast forward a year and some later, we catch up after post breakup silence punctuated by my letters of confessed accountability. And I noticed my ex refer to me as their abuser in our phone call. I would have rather spontaneously combusted. To me, this is the worst thing I could ever be labeled as my family history includes generation of violence that has impacted us all greatly. My sister was hospitalized twice due to partner violence, and I have also endured severe abuse of various various natures prior to my relationship with R. At the time, I was even working as a domestic violence advocate and felt all too familiar with the suffering in our world as a consequence of violence. I'll also say that I'm trying to be mindful that witnessing lethal forms of relationship violence may have desensitized me to other forms. Mm. During this phone call, it was very important to me that I didn't jump to defenses. I wanted to fully consider and sit with the shared perspective of my previous partner, someone I felt and still feel a great deal of care for. I sat with this feedback for months and let it truly rock me. I came to friends, my partner at the time, and my therapist with this information also, sharing as earnestly as possible. I needed support in seeing that situation clearly and didn't trust my perspective alone. I needed to know if other people in my intimate life shared any resemblances to the regard my ex held me in. With a year of emotional excavation and reflection, I now feel grounded in that Although I engaged in abusive behavior, the label of abuser is not a definition that describes me or my past. It feels minimizing to the complex dynamic we both engaged in. I really hate saying this, considering the frequent gaslighting that abuse survivors endure and what I potentially sound like, but I feel misunderstood. Despite feeling determined that I am not an abuser, which provides me with a lot of resolve, there is still a massive relationship chasm between my ex and I, which becomes larger and more nebulous to me as time passes. I have desire to express a truth that feels thoroughly reflected. Approaching this, however, is incredibly sensitive territory that leaves me frozen. Mm. I do not want to invalidate my ex's lived impact by my behavior. And as the accused abuser, I'm not sure how to approach a conversation with them about this. Ultimately, I don't seek to change their labels or perspective of me, but feel a desire to at least respond with my own honesty. I'm deeply afraid of making further harmful impact. Should I reach out to them to express how I feel? Does it even matter how I feel if this label and experience is real to them? I'd be curious about y'all's insight to navigating repair where harm has occurred. Thank you for reading. It feels like a topic that doesn't have many resources. Lovingly, A. 
All right. A, AKA Smoochie Kabusi, <laughs> thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this very tricky, tricky and tender letter. Um, thank you for your vulnerability and your transparency throughout. Um, I know and can tell how you are carrying this and how thoughtfully you are going about um, unpacking the, you know, the mess that can be human interactions. Um, I know I relate to a lot of the self-reflection you're doing and the desire to sort the, the confusing feelings that come from um, having a story out there about yourself that you just feel is fundamentally untrue or misunderstood. And that is a hard conflict, um, especially navigating the desire to correct the narrative while understanding that everybody's going to have their own experience of you. It, you've sure. gracefully articulated some really nuanced and complicated human experiences here, and I'm grateful for that. We're going to dive into answering this letter in just a minute. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because <laughs> love it. <laughs> honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Reading this letter really felt a lot of... Uh, empathy for you and for R in this situation, having been somebody who had done similar self-reflection of you and being like, oh man, I behaved really poorly in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I caused harm to someone in a way that like, I can now understand why and where it came from and would really, you know, have been doing work to make sure that it doesn't happen again in this way. Even as I hold that, of course, I'm going to make mistakes in relationships because I'm a human person who has a lot of things I'm dealing with. And on the other side of it, right? Like being in ours point of view where, wow, I was in a really toxic relationship and I don't know how to make sense of it. And, you know, recognizing the harm that was done to me and and having this word of abuse or abuser is really helpful for me to legitimize my own mm. feelings and what happened to me right like also been in that same exact space in the same relationship turns out right like there's like <laughs> <laughs> there is like so much um that feels familiar to me in the letter that you wrote in how difficult it is to navigate relationships when It was unhealthy in ways where it wasn't just, oh, here's the big, terrible monster doing the terrible monster things. And here's the soft, pliant victim who gets hurt all the time. But instead, like, we were really bad to each other. (laughs) Right. Like, this is not I was hurt. I was hurting like all of those different things were happening at the same time. Um, And like want to create space for the fact that that having this sort of clear markations of like abuse and, and, and abused and abuser and like all of that stuff can be really helpful and healing in a lot of different ways. And it can also be helpful and healing for us to look at things with a lot of nuance and complexity and say, Oh, you know, it's actually helpful for me to not think about the label of abuser because then we can just sort of write people off, but instead sort of sitting in this place of like, oh, I did bad things and I'm still not a bad person, right? Like that can also be really helpful and healing and liberating. Or I was, I was in a relationship where I was abused and, and I can actually feel empowered by the fact that, oh, there were things that I would do differently in this relationship because now I know that I can do them differently in future relationships, Right. right? There's like so much complexity and nuance there and appreciate that you're sitting in it and really reflecting for yourself that, your experience of this relationship is going to be fundamentally different than ours. And what do you do with that information? Right. Yeah. I think you said it perfectly. It's just so tricky. I remember I, my, my, what was it? My third book. I have four 
collections of poetry that are published a fifth soon to be five (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but in my third book it's called we slept here and it's a collection of poetry all about what i would call my first abusive relationship and i remember a line in it that came to me while you were talking a line in one of the poems which is just um Sometimes I can't believe it that you happened and I happened and this was the best that we could do. Um, just this idea of trying to untangle, untangle these, these relationships that happen so genuinely. Like I know the love was genuine and also the, the abuse was genuine. The um, toxicity, the triggers, the the things from our history, all of the thousands of reasons that brought you two together to be tangled in the way that you were, you know, and I'm not trying to justify any behavior. What I am trying to highlight is the fact that we come to each other broken and we spend years unpacking how our brokenness affected one another and how your brokenness... Ha- brought my brokenness out and how you're, you know, how we, how we really trigger each other. And I know that word is like very overused right now, especially outside of the therapy space, but it's true. We really, there are people that just, you know, bring out the the best and worst in us. And then we spend years wondering how the fuck that worst came out, you know? Um, and I know you know this to our letter writer. I know you know this. You've done this work. I, I, And I know your letter is mostly about like, how do I, what do I do next? What do I do with this acknowledgement? And how do, what do I do with the fact that I feel on top of all of this, this sense of personal injustice at being labeled an abuser? Um, and what do I do what do I do next? Can I, can I approach this person? But I can't, I don't think Sam and I can answer this letter without acknowledging like we've been there. Um, we've been on both sides of this letter and I think understandings of abuse and abusive behavior in relationships, not only is abuse as you highlighted in your letter, a, uh, spectrum of behavior. It's like that is an umbrella word for a, a, a huge spectrum of behavior. Um, and anytime we've got a big umbrella word like that, defining what on paper look like totally different things, it, it, we get into a really tricky semantic place. But that's the truth of it, right? We, we That word is universally used in many different contexts and... Um, it is what it is. But what I was going to say is just um, not only is that such a nebulous word, but our understandings of abuse and abusive behaviors often grow with us. Um, what you view right now, your behavior as you might feel differently about in several years as you felt differently now, years after this relationship. Um, I just want to offer that small perspective of you know, I think you even shared on a recent Patreon episode that like you would categorize a previous relationship differently now. Whereas before when you were younger, it was helpful for you to say, well, this was an abusive relationship. Um, they were gaslighting me. And those words were like 
gave you the parameters to lean on. You know, those words gave you something to point to that made you feel like your experience was valid and real. It's not that it they was were, untrue, yeah. they were but empowering. now that you're older, yeah. <laughs> now that you're older, it's not that they were untrue, but now that you're older, you see that it was more complicated than that. That's all. And um, that level of complication makes me feel empowered, right? Like mm, the mm-hmm. looking back at that relationship and, and saying, um, his behavior was, is still unacceptable. Absolutely. Right. The things right. that he did were still not good. And right. We were both humans without enough tools yes. doing things to each other that I think both of us probably regret. Right. And yeah. that, that makes it feel so much more empowering for me because then it's not like, Oh, I was just this person in this relationship with this horrible person, but instead saying like, Oh, I, I had power in this. I was, I was part of this. And what's great is that now I am getting to make different choices, right? Like I get to decide what my relationships look like. I get to decide how I want to show up when I'm feeling hurt, as opposed to doing it in a way that, that isn't helpful. I get to decide what behavior is acceptable and unacceptable in my relationships, right? Like it feels so much more empowering for me to, to feel like, there is complication and nuance in this relationship rather than just labeling myself as something, a victim that this stuff happened to because it, that doesn't even feel true to my own experience right. knowing that there were, there were lots of triggers going both directions and both of us behaving badly right. in that relationship. And right. are there things that he should not have done? Yes. Are there things that I should not have done? Also? Yes. Right. Yes. hundred <laughs> like yeah. percent. I think we just want to say all of that first um and moving now to the crux of your letter which is what should you do with this now Hmm. i think now i will reiterate some of the things you said which is that you know their understanding of you is their own and that their use of these words are for a reason that it's true to them and it probably feels untrue to you and your experience because although you were in that relationship, it was a different relationship for you. You know, you each had your own unique experience of that relationship Mm -hmm. and you're a different person now. So of course they have a different understanding of you back then. Um, Accountability doesn't always feel or it doesn't always mean that your growth is going to be validated by other people. And more importantly, your experience, I guess I just don't, I totally understand the urge to speak your truth to this person, but I'm not really sure if that's where that truth needs to go. Yeah. Because this person has a right to have their own truth about your relationship. Yeah. And I, I'm not, there is one question that I have about this relationship that obviously can't be answered because this is a one-sided conversation, (laughs) but um, you talk about this ex as though you talk about them vaguely, but I'm wondering how much they interact with you now in your life. Like if you had this one phone call and then for the last year, you've just reflected on this one phone call or do you see them regularly? Is this why you feel like you have access to them to have this conversation 
that information might change the way I feel about this. But ultimately, I feel like you need to give this person space to heal and move on. And that unfortunately, people walk around with understandings of us that are untrue all the time. And I know this is hard, particularly because of the work that you do and the history of your family and that huge umbrella term of, of abuse. I know that is painful. Um, and I know that it's personal and I know that nothing I can say can take away how true and intensely you feel about this accusation. For sure. And also we, we can't, it is not always our place to write the script of other people's experiences of us, um, And, 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 and I mean, just for like clarity's sake, it's not like Sam and I are two strangers. (laughs) We could be totally wrong on this one. (laughs) We could be totally off. Um, you know, maybe this person is being totally inflammatory, but like, it doesn't sound like it. Um, it sounds, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. No, I'm with you. It doesn't sound like this person is like spreading things around that you were their abuser or like coming at you in some particular way, it sounds like they're just sitting in their own story around this. And I think the question that you need to ask yourself is like, what is the thing that's driving you to want to correct them? Right? Like what is the goal that you have in trying to get them to change their story? And, and is that even a reasonable or feasible goal? Right? Cause my goal for you is that you are do the things that you're doing, which is to sit in the realities of the, the behaviors that you are exhibiting to recognize that they weren't okay, even as they come from understandable places and to find a way to sit in the discomfort of knowing that somebody has a different perspective of you than you feel is true because that's the work, right? It's not the work to try and tell other people or get other people to, to believe us differently or to see us differently. The work is to understand ourselves more deeply, to live in our values more authentically and to be okay with the fact that some people out there aren't going to see us living in those values because they're not in our heads, our bodies in our, or in our hearts. Right. And so Again, I don't know the circumstances. And again, if this person is like telling everyone about all of this stuff and like is harassing you or like, or you see them all the time or whatever, like it might be a different story. But from what I understand, you're asking if you should reach out to this person sort of without context and try and tell them that you don't agree with the idea of being an abuser. And I just don't see what productive, I don't see that as a productive yeah, place for you. We for can imagine, well, well, what would, what would shift? You know, right. what would what would shift if they said, oh, well, I just was like saying it semantically, like, I agree with you that you were it was abusive behavior, but you're not an abuser. And then it's like, well, OK, OK, what now? And I think what Sam and I are saying is that it in you might be opening up. Opening yourself and this other person up to a lot more complicated, painful negotiations about what it was and it wasn't, right? But now it's in the past. You're both being accountable to your new relationships, to your history, to all of those things. And 
I just don't know if that is, it sounds like you did the right thing first, which is to take this conversation and process it with your loved ones and with a professional, you know, uh, with your mm -hmm. therapist. That's, that's it. And now we're saying you, you still have that like tingling in you where it's like, oh, that doesn't feel right. I fundamentally came to a different decision. Sitting with that. That's what it means to be internally at peace, right? Saying, ooh, mm -hmm. that doesn't feel right to me, but I know what I think is true. And I just want to say one more thing too that I, I want to just make sure that like we're being super clear about as well is that you entering this person's life again and trying to disrupt their understanding of this relationship might inflict harm on them, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if I were in a place where I was in that relationship or post that relationship with that person who was, a, who was an abuser and he tried to come into my life and tell me that what happened that didn't make him an abuser, that would be really harmful for me. Like that would not right. have helped my healing in any way. Part of the reason why I'm able to sort of take this more holistic view of that relationship is because of the distance that's been put between mm. us, because I've been able to heal on my own and find a way to forgive him through my own experience of it, right? And mm -hmm. less because he was out there and telling me that he needs to. So that is also a big reason why I would encourage you to think long and hard about what it would look like to, to go back to this person, to talk to this person, because I think that the best thing for both of you in this situation is for you to give this person the time and space that they need to be able to heal well. And that won't happen if you're coming in trying to disrupt their understanding of what happened, how it happened, why it happened, or who was doing what in it, right? Let them figure that out for themselves and let you figure it out for yourself in this. Yeah. But it's okay that you two have different understandings. Absolutely. But I don't want you to, I don't want you to enact more harm on this person who I know you already regret harming so much. Right. Right. We know this is tricky. It's sticky and crunchy and uncomfortable and all of the feelings that come with self-reflection and time, honestly, that come with time, you know? Mm -hmm. I can't look back on my 20s and not feel uh, regret that I misunderstood or that the people back then don't get to see me in my in my more developed healthier, secure self, you know, or can see it and still hate me. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, uh, but we believe in you. Um, we think that you can, um, carry this understanding of yourself with you, um, without it being validated by other people. Um, and we know that you can do, um, you're going to do your best in your next relationship. And the one after that. Um, all right, my darling, thank you so much for writing. Absolutely. We love you. All right, everyone. This brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. And today we want to send you home with. Okay. So I actually talked about this person like a week ago on an episode about pregnancy. So I know this is a little sure. niche for at least a small part of our um audience, but this person has been so good for my mental health. Um, her name is Emily Oster and she is an American economist and author. And, um, she's not like your normal economist. Like she doesn't, um, study, uh, like the, <laughs> what's it called? I'm really excited to see where this is going. <laughs> 
think of the word like money. I can't think of the word. <laughs> the economy. Uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, she calls herself uh, like a vagina economist where she studies and interprets all the data and research on pregnancy, nursing, um she wrote a book called Expecting Better, which is a playoff of the book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. And um, she basically highlights the discrepancy in the research about pregnancy um, and how there's like so there's very little research about breast milk, um, things like that. And she helps interpret it so that there's less shame and anxiety when it comes to pregnancy, childbirth, and raising young children. Um, like, uh, there's a lot <laughs> coming at you when you're a new parent about like the right way and wrong way to do things. There's a lot of stress. Um, and she just sort of speaks some, you know, she speaks all about the data and the actual research, um, and, and interprets it from a intelligent point of view. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, I follow her on Instagram. I read her, one of her books, um, expecting better when I was pregnant, but I follow her on Instagram right now. Emily, I think it's prof Emily Oster, O S T E R. And she also has like a free weekly newsletter and a Q and a where she answers like parents questions about like my child swallowed a rock. Is it going to die? Or, um, you know, can I feed my baby breast milk that's at room temperature or, you know, all these types of things. Should I sure. wait X amount of weeks between vaccinations, yada, yada. And she'll interpret the answers or like she'll answer it with research-based answers. It's very comforting for new anxious parents. Um, I love that. Especially especially in the world of like, oh my God, do all these crazy things. Um, it's been, you know, it, it shows you the data. So it's really... I love her. I love Emily Oster. She is a saint. <laughs> and then my other blind date is Miss Rachel. If you of a little kid, Miss Rachel is a literal saint. It's oh. a YouTube series. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. I know. I'm sorry. I try not to do a lot of parenting things, but. You're a parent. Anyway. I get it. Mm, hypothetically. Um, okay. All right, everyone. Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in more content from us, you can always support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode, as well as access to all of our primary episodes without ads. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review. This literally keeps our microphones on and helps reach uh, and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend, Spencer Worth Davis. And remember, our understandings of our behaviors and our relationships and the partnerships that we have through life, the understanding grows with us. With time and perspective, we can better unravel the choices that we made the behavior that we exhibited and the thing that is most healing is patience and acceptance and if all else fails just break up <laughs>